0: From the Finlay Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company.
1: You throw a GIF on there? Oh, if I throw a GIF? Like, that means something. I love bears doing human things. Right. I don't like bears being bears. Right. We're not going to do handwritten notes. God, no. <laughs> Jesus. It's
0: time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas.
2: Five o'clock hours here. It feels like there should be a Golden Knights game tonight, game two, right? Get back on the horse, get back out on the ring, get revenge. Did I say the ring? The basketball ring, the rink, the rink. Uh, Get get back on the ice and, you know, correct the wrongs uh, of Sunday. But that's not the case. NBA stepped in front of them, so we get an extra day of rest and we'll examine if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the Knights. All right, Big Five is on the way. And then later this hour, we're going to talk to our buddy Ariel Hawani from ESPN.com. Battle Born
0: Injury Lawyers presents The Big Five at Five, number five.
2: Adam, earlier in the show, we uh, briefly hit on Naomi Osaka and the tennis player's decision to withdraw from the French Open. Uh, the tennis bosses, you know, they, they push back on her request that she didn't do post-match media. It's now turned into a big brouhaha. I hope it turns into a real discussion about mental health and what athletes have to go through in postgame. And if they're not comfortable, you know, we get – we. is it bad to say we get an explanation? You know, I was, I was joking earlier when I was yelling at you, like, you just take them at their word. Hmm. Do we need to examine the reasons? Or if someone says, hey, I don't like it, it makes me feel bad, it makes me feel antsy, it triggers my condition, do we just take them at that
1: and, all right, let's move on, then you don't do postgames? I mean, I think it's a really tough debate to get into without knowing – you know details, and I don't want I don't want to get into a case of making people that have true mental health issues like talk about them and discuss them and and put them out on the table for people to you know to look at and examine. But I also really really don't want to get into a situation where anybody can just get out of it by saying ah mental health. Like I I find it too serious of a topic to. Allow isn't the right word, but to to get to a place where it's like, nope, mental health, mental health. like It's a real issue. It's a real so thing fans, for a lot of
2: people. You're going to look at this and think you have an ulterior motive, which is protect your job, protect your craft. You need these post-game press conferences. Um, and it's funny, early in the show, I, I don't think I picked a side on this. I was throwing out a bunch of questions. If they come up with something where no one does post-game, I'll be okay. I'm not a beat writer. So I don't need quotes immediately afterwards. So I think they that helps our cause. Do we get stuff out of it? Of course. Will we find a way to get athlete reaction other ways for Sports Talk Radio? Of course we will. We had no sports last summer. No one talked. We're still here. We're still here. We did. Well, we, we, we did. We were doing a three-hour show. Sports went away. We went to four hours, and then we added a podcast. So right. listen – this, I, I don't I don't have a side in this um, but I do think there are positives to doing post game but if you know if there are cases out there where people
1: aren't comfortable doing it then that's fine we'll come up with something different well if you if you want to say like I'm being biased as a writer in this issue I'll, I'll take it a step further and say I'm biased as somebody who has talked about mental health issues here on the show of myself and people close to me like it's something' I've, we've dealt with as a family and a lot of people for a long time like yeah I I'm sensitive to mental health topics because i've been around it you know and i've experienced it and and gone through it and i don't want you know this dismissiveness of you know just throwing it around like it's something to be used as an excuse like i don't like that and then that makes me uncomfortable for people that really do go through things and i believe me i am not talking about naomi osaka i i i have every reason to believe that she's being genuine and and you know discussing this, but what I don't want is for somebody who's never had issues and never dealt with anything that just doesn't like it and doesn't want to do it when it's in their contract or it's in the you know you know the tournament that they enter as an individual player. You enter a tournament like the French Open, where part of signing up for the tournament and entering the tournament is a demand and an obligation to do media and to just say I ah, have mental health issues. W- wait, what? Like you're 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 just saying this to get out of something like I don't I don't like that part to to trivialize people that actually are going through issues like that is that doesn't make me comfortable at all but again like for a lot of athletes it's part of their deal whether it's team sport athletes who have uh, you know are part of CBAs where it's required or individual athletes like in this case at the French Open where by part of signing up and entering the tournament is you are agreeing to do this and if you don't want to then don't sign up for the tournament and if you want to be a team sport athlete, if you want to be like an NFL player and say, you know what, I'm going, I want to sign this contract, but I don't want to do the media part of it. All right, then let's have something like 20% of your salary is, is based on, you know, fulfilling media obligations. And if you don't want to do it, you don't have to, but it's also going to cost you because you are, you are damaging the team and you are uh, passing up opportunities to market and, um, and advertise your team and get your team's word out there and, um, and be an advocate for your team by not doing it. So it is part of your job.
2: Number four. Well, apparently in the NBA, it's part of your job to be looking over your shoulder all the time. If uh, some fan is going to throw something at you, yell something at you, or even worse, come running on the floor and maybe attack you. Uh, it turned out there was no attack in Washington because some security guards were Johnny on the spot and tackled some jackass. We had Kyrie Irving have a bottle thrown at him by uh, someone in the Celtics crowd. that guy, was arrested, and here's Kevin Durant afterwards just trying to figure out what the hell's going on here with all this fan angst towards the performers
1: and athletes. I mean, fans got to grow up at some point. I know that being in the house for a year and a half with the pandemic, um, got a lot of people on edge, got a lot of people uh, stressed out. Um, But when you come to these games, you got to realize, man, these these men are human, you know? We're not animals. We're not in a circus. You coming to the game is not all about you as a fan.
2: Is this a result of the pandemic? Was there so much tough guy chatter on Twitter that everything is make believe, even when you're in front of the real person?
1: I, I mean I think it could be part of it. Um I also maybe maybe, maybe we go back to just no fans. We didn't have these issues where there's no fans for a year. Or, you know, that that perimeter of, you know, the first six, seven rows or whatever it is, blocked off. Well, sadly, sadly,
2: it's a a very small percentage of NBA fans who are acting like idiots, and they may actually force the NBA to push everyone back six rows. And I think the NBA and the teams themselves are going to do everything they can to fight that because you know how much money they make on that inner rim right next to the court. Uh, But it's fans all over the place who simply can't behave themselves. All right, top three stories. Number three. Where is Julio Jones going to land over on Raider Nation Radio 920, Rich Eisen is one of the hosts who's on the station, and he was talking about Julio and was you know, mentioning the, the Raiders as a possibility.
3: There are a lot of question marks with the Raiders, but Derek Carr to Julio Jones, that's a marquee in Vegas. I'm, I'm all in now. I, I, <laughs> I'm okay.
1: Look, he makes so many teams that much better. I'm just wondering what the right. Raiders are going to look like this year. You know, we had Mayock on after the draft, and they're very happy with how they've redone their offensive line. Whereas most of the rest of the National Football League observers think that what the hell do they do that, to their offensive line?
2: Adam, have you heard that? That a lot of people around the NFL are like, wow, you redid your offensive line. Well, not good for you. What'd you just do? Well,
1: I think fans. I, I think.
2: Eisen you know- said observers around the National Football League. Is that just fans, or have you heard that from any football
1: people in the sport? fans are observers. I mean, I I think I don't, I think most people understand what the what the Raiders did in terms of offensive line. Again, we've talked about this. They were spending a lot of money on the offensive line. It was good at times last year. They weren't great. A lot of that was because they weren't all playing together ever. I think what three snaps total all season, the, the projected starting offensive line played together. And the Raiders looked at it and said in this, in this year where the cap goes down dramatically, there's no justification for continuing to spend as much money as they're spending on offensive linemen and getting the results they're getting. It's not working. You're not going to the playoffs, so figure out a different way to do it, which is to get younger and cheaper. And yeah, might they take a step backward? Maybe, but I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I think they like what they've done with the offensive line, and and I think there's reason to be optimistic about the offensive line. They made a decision what they had to do. Like the the reason they got they they rolled over the offensive line and changed it isn't just because they wanted to change the offensive line. It's because they want to invest their their resources elsewhere. And so that that's a, all a part of this. That's how you have to look at this. That's why also, you know, to go, go back into the Julio Jones thing, like nobody is saying Julio Jones isn't a great player or wouldn't make the offense better or anything else. But you have to make sure you allocate your resources in the right directions. Adding a wide receiver like Julio Jones at this stage of his career doesn't significantly change... The outlook of the team it just doesn't mark davis have the cash to do this deal well That's i mean it's not more, i don't know I, look it's it's not that much cash to be very honest with you it's 15 mm-hmm. 15 million dollars this year and then there's no guaranteed money except two more million after that and you, you'd have to get him knowing he'd want some sort of a new deal
2: i think rich caught himself at the end there yeah. it's not much cash and then at the end you get him knowing he wants a new deal. Well, then it's more cash. Right. I mean, in all likelihood, someone is probably going to get Julio Jones for a second, but they're going to have to pay for it, and he's going to get some kind of bonus of, you know, who knows what, whatever the whatever he thinks the going rate is for wide receivers right now. My guess is it'll be some kind of deal that's upwards of like 19 million a year with like 28 guaranteed. So, the caller was actually onto a good question there. It is going to be a lot of cash up
1: front. You're not getting him three years at 38 million dollars. Yeah, and I don't think you know, before in Oakland, cash was an issue. Uh, I do believe that to be the case. The Raiders have kind of always denied that, but I do believe it was a case that there was an issue uh, in terms of the cash, because, you know, for those that don't know, there's, there's a lot of details that are involved, but you, know, you basically have to have the money when you sign a guaranteed deal. You have to have the money set aside, like the actual cash money set aside to pay the guys. It's not like you just wait till the paycheck is due and send it. So there, there is a cash cu- question. Uh, That was there Uh, again. They've denied that, but I think there was that's not really the case anymore. The case is more of a cap issue of can you can you allocate that much resources on your cap this year to Julio Jones and in the next couple of years to a player like Julio Jones, who is getting older, is still an elite wide receiver, one of the best in the game and does probably make your offense better, but not significantly alter the franchise and the direction of it, and that's that's the concern. Can you allocate that many resources to a guy like that?
0: Number two.
2: So, Adam, what went into the decision by the Golden Knights to play Leonard, and then uh, you know afterwards they're like, "Wow, that was just an awful decision," or you know,
1: the play in front of Leonard, we'll say, was not sterling. <laughs> no, 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 nobody was winning that game as a goaltender for the Golden Knights. Again, you, you could you could have had. Like, the best performance in goaltender history, I don't think you win the game uh, on on Sunday for the Golden Knights. They were awful as a team. And so, you know, whatever factors weighed into Robin Leonard playing, uh, which I would say, you know, starts with the seven-game series the Knights just went through and playing less than 48 hours later on the road. So the travel that had gone into the last couple of games, uh, Flurry looking pretty tired at the end of the first round. In fact, game five and six not looking good at all. Uh, while the rest of the series, he was unbelievable. I think the Knights were starting to say, "Okay, there needs to be a little bit of of rest at some point for him if he wants to get back and get fresh and you know play better." Uh, also, you may need Robin Leonard at some point in the playoffs. Like that could happen, and he hadn't played in three weeks, like, or two, whatever. I mean, sorry, two weeks. But you know, you, you're going you're going on a long stretch of him not playing a game, not seeing any live action. How long can you keep him on the bench and not play him and expect to be able to use him at some point and go in there and play at a high level? Like, there's a lot of factors that went into making this decision. And I, I think in retrospect, it probably was the right decision. If for no other reason, if you even throw all those things out there, if for no other reason, then, hey, somebody had to be a goal and take that game and take that loss. And it's probably better at this point. If it's Robin Leonard, then Marc-Andre Fleury, and destroying his confidence by having him get shelled in a game one, in a game where your your team plays horrifically in front of you, like it's probably for the best in retrospect. Got all those things accomplished, got extra rest for Marc-Andre Fleury, got Leonard some action, even if it wasn't positive action, and didn't allow Fleury to take that onslaught that Leonard did. Like I think for all those reasons, you look back and say, it was, for those that are like, oh, what a terrible decision, In retrospect, it was a brilliant decision.
2: Number one. Adam, give me your impression of what happens down the stretch in blowout games like this where the losing team is like, all right, now we're going to rip your heads off. Um, (laughs) And did Ryan Reeves go over the line? A lot of people were calling him a disgusting player for what he did.
1: It It was a pretty disgusting play. Uh, I don't think you can cast dispersions on his entire career, say he's a, a, a disgusting player or anything like that. Um, that was a pretty heinous act on the ice, I would say, uh, what he did with Graves. Now, I I will go in kind of a different direction here and say, listen, for how long has there been a, a debate about fighting in hockey and, how, and we've kind of constantly said it's kind of stupid in a lot of cases. Like the what the Toronto Montreal series, we talked extensively about how ridiculous it was that there had to be a fight after a completely incidental, you know, knee to head contact where somebody was trying to get out of the way of somebody and hit their head uh, on the knee, and then oh oh you have to take a fight now, like you have to go fight, and then the unwritten rules being not only do you have to take the fight, but you're not supposed to fight back; you're supposed to take a beating. Like all that stuff is stupid. So so guess what? This series, Graves takes takes a shot at Janmark. I don't think it was necessarily egregious. Like the, the the question is, was it late and was it high? Was it late? It was late, but I also don't think Graves saw Janmark get rid of the puck. So I don't think it was necessarily late and, and a problem. Was it high? I, I've heard a lot of people say he went shoulder to chest. I think it was absolutely high. I think that was a shoulder to the head. But there's also a size discrepancy where I don't think you can get down low enough, and I think there was an issue there. Like it wasn't the most egregious hit you're ever gonna see, but I did think it was it was a little bit high on the hit. So what's the solution? Well, Ryan Reeves is going to go fight Graves, right? That's what's gonna happen. They're supposed to fight. This is the rules you want in hockey, right? This is what we want. We don't, but we've been told time and time again, this is why you have fighting. If one team doesn't like the hit that a team puts on another guy, you fight. And then I saw all these people after that hit say, well, Reeves is going to go fight Graves. That was just a foregone conclusion. And then the response was, no way Graves is fighting Reeves. He's too, he's a fighter. Graves isn't. It's not going to happen. Okay. Don't fight. then. Let's see what happens then. Because if you just let him fight, then this is over, right? Isn't that how hockey's supposed to work? It's supposed to. But if you're not going to fight, if you're going to turn down the fight, then what? I guess you're going to throw a guy to the ground and put your head, your knee on his head. I guess. Like, I, I think the fighting part is stupid. This is obviously a, a disgusting play and should be suspended and everything else. But if we're going to have this stupid rule, or not rule, but this stupid unwritten nonsense of, well, if you take a hit, we don't like, then you have to fight him. Oh, but I don't want to fight that guy. I'll fight somebody else, but I'm not going to fight that guy. I'm not going to answer for my hit, so I'm going to do this. Well then where does it go from there if we're gonna have stupid fighting then let's have stupid throwing people to the ground and doing you know extracurricular nonsense that's borderline illegal in real life not even just on a hockey rink like i don't know where do we go when somebody says no to the fight
0: it's the big five at five brought to you by battleborn injury lawyers if you've been injured call justin watkins at battleborn injury lawyers 570-9000 You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN, Las Vegas.
2: So, out of my bet, the night for the series plus three fifty. Am I a moron? Do I
1: have a shot here? I don't think you're a moron. I mean, it's better to bet it now uh, at such good value. I mean, if you if you were betting this before the series, I think you could have looked at you know the Golden Knights and the Avalanche and the price where it was and said, okay, Golden Knights getting about plus 140. That's not necessarily great value, but it's it's about right maybe. But I think you could have looked at that and said, you think the Golden Knights could win the series even if game one is a really bad spot for them? And even if they lose game one, you'd still feel comfortable with the Knights if you were betting the Knights before the series? So how much really changed? I mean, yeah, it looked like a bigger mismatch than we thought but it also was such a horrific performance by the knights i think you just throw it out and right. i think you could look at this and say this is this is tremendous value if you thought the knights were going to win before game 1 what really changed in your mind it shouldn't right. change that much and now you get a much better price
2: right it's like do you judge on the sample of one bad spot game they lose 7 to 1 or do you judge on you know a half dozen plus games during the regular season
1: i think yeah i think you you judge it right. based on the the
2: whole season I mean, For sure, they, they almost won the division. They petered out with no roster. They outplayed the ABS and lost two to one on that Monday night. Whatever it is now, three weeks back, and all of a sudden, this is a series they cannot win.
1: Like, what changed? Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. So, it, yeah, again, I don't, I didn't think there was value on either side going into the series. I thought it was, it was about right, and I thought, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily take a shot on either team. But yeah, if, if I like the knights going into it, I absolutely think you have to, you have to be there right now and think and think you're in a good spot with them.
2: Man, we have an amazing summer on the way for fights. I know a lot of people, the the, the fight snobs, don't like these Paul brothers, but now both of them have a fight booked that starts next week with a Logan Paul against Floyd Mayweather. Ty Woodley, who's a highly accomplished MMA guy, is gonna be fighting Jake Paul. We think. On August 28th, we'll get into the fight game, also a little NBA, and uh, Major League Baseball. Going back to Montreal, that's where uh, Ariel Hawani is from. He works for ESPN.com, and Ariel will give us the skinny on uh, all of those topics. And uh, I promise, I promise, he's not rooting for, he was very serious about this, he's not rooting for Montreal to steal the A's, but I think he'd like to see Major League Baseball in some form or fashion return to his hometown. Visit
0: lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Now, back to Cofield and Company
2: in the Finley Toyota Studio. I'm so happy with the summer fight, Slate. So happy. Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley, Oh, Lordy, this is awesome. In between all the other uh, big fights coming up. Ariel Hawani, ESPN.com, is with us. What's up, buddy?
3: I, I like to think that you played a little Drake for me because of the Canadian-slash-Jewish connection. I know uh, Cofield has never heard of Drake, but Adam, can you confirm or deny this?
1: Uh, I will say that, yes. As we came back, our wonderful, esteemed uh, Ari, who is the head of the... Co-founder company Vast Sound Crew said, "I'm playing Drake for Ariel here, so it did happen."
3: Now, why does Adam sound like he's on a speakerphone in a bathroom or something? I mean, what's going on? To, I mean, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, like I, you know, I sign co- up for ESPN co- Radio 1100. I think I'm dealing with professionals here.
1: COVID protocols, Ariel.
3: Okay, uh, I mean, it's been COVID <laughs> protocols for like 15 months. Can we not get exactly. a better microphone or what? What's going on there? Well, we're on?
1: having issues today. I just got off a plane from Denver and. Oh yeah, it's fun. Yeah. We're having, we're, those, having uh,
3: we're having
1: issues. yeah, we're having issues today. Yeah, believe me, we, we
2: are like the Golden Knights every day. That's the problem. We're we're seven to one losers every day. Uh, let's all right. Let's get into. Come on, man. You you must like this Jake Paul Woodley fight. I mean, this is the end of it. This is the end of Jake Paul. And believe it or not, Woodley is plus one thirty five. He's a dog in this fight.
3: What do you mean by it's the end of Jake Paul?
2: I would, I mean the he's going to make money after this. He's going to get knocked out. This is a real fighter. This is not a washed guy. Let's stand up and show Woodley a little respect. Please.
3: Oh, I'm I'm all in on this. I love this. Now, I don't necessarily believe that this is the end of Jake Paul. I think it's kind of a pick-em fight. I think most of the odds that I've seen have been pretty on par. But this is a great. I mean, this is not a pro, This guy is 3 and 0 as a pro and let's be honest, you know, hasn't really fought, you know, the creme de la creme, hasn't had a lot of ring time. But if anyone out there, you know, I see some of these old, old, old boxing guys who love to, you know, shout on their lawn and, you know, take shots at Jake Paul, take shots at Showtime, take shots at Triller back in the day when they were doing the uh, the Jake Paul fight. Like, if you don't recognize the fact that, A, he has skills, he's taking this seriously, he's training with real coaches and a real team, you're just making a mockery of yourself. He's taking this seriously. In fact, dare I say he's taking it seriously, more seriously than his brother Logan, who was involved in this exhibition fight against uh, Floyd Mayweather this weekend. This is a great fight. I, I There's nothing negative that I can say about it. And, yes, I love the fact that Tyron Woodley is getting love from the MMA community. Finally, a guy who never got the love from the MMA community, never got the love from the UFC. Now, all of a sudden, this is the guy that the MMA community is rallying around saying, Tyron, please get rid of Jake, Jake Paul for us. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. I love everything about it.
2: Uh, You're suggesting that Logan Paul doesn't take it seriously. Are you suggesting that this exhibition this weekend in Miami against Floyd is going to be terrible?
3: I didn't say he doesn't take it seriously, Steve. Stop trying to put words in my mouth. I said he (laughs) takes it more seriously. I know your ways. Um, You know, we've been working together quite a while. Uh, More seriously, just witness the opponents, right? Like, look at the opponents. Look at the difference. Floyd May with a thirty pound difference. No athletic commission would ever sanction that. That's why it's not a pro bout, it's an exhibition bout, as opposed to this, where you know Jake is fighting a former UFC champion. Now, you know, Woodley, let's be honest, is thirty nine, has lost his last uh, four in a row. But I would say, um, if you just kind of glance at his record, you know, yes, he did get finished in his last fight, but then, you know, in that fight, as you saw against Vicente Luque, he threw caution to the win. The last three fights prior to that, he wasn't getting outclassed. He wasn't getting knocked out. He wasn't getting thoroughly beat up. You know, he just kind of hit a wall. And oh, by the way, he hit a wall against three of the best welterweights on the planet, right? You know, Usman, Covington, Gilbert Burns, no shame in losing to those guys, especially at his age. So I think it's a very appropriate fight. And what's beautiful about it from Woodley's standpoint, he has a chance to end on a high note. Not saying this will be the last fight of his career, but, you know, the end of the UFC career didn't go as planned. He went to this fight. All of a sudden, he's a beloved figure in combat sports.
2: Adam, are you going to Are you going to go cover this fight, Woodley and Jake Paul? You should.
1: Uh that'll be during training camp, so probably not. Oh my god. Come on. You don't even You're know not where the it big guy. is. What if it's in your backyard? What if it's in Vegas? I mean, I'm sure the Raiders will be practicing and it'll be that'll be different. I think they even play a, I think they have a game that weekend. Uh that's my main job. Wow. You know, I'm very high on the hierarchy. Ariel, uh, I know that you saw Dana's rankings. NFL reporters way higher than MMA reporters true. on the list. That's true. Uh, so, so that's what I'm dealing with. Uh, and I don't know that I would anyway, but uh, okay, I'm negative by nature, as you know. So you said what it could do for Woodley if he wins. What does it do if he loses? What, if it, what does it do for his legacy? Oh my, oh my. I mean, I'm not one to say it hurts his legacy. Like, to be honest, I didn't think the Ashkin
3: fight hurt his legacy. He was doing something that he's not good at. He was, you know, months removed from hip surgery. He retired. So, like, to me, that was all a wash. doesn't take away from the Olympics. Bellator all one championship. Um, and the same for Woodley. Like, Woodley is not a pro boxer as much as they want to say he's a hard-hitting guy. He is. But, you know, hard-hitting in MMA is different than hard-hitting in boxing. We'll see how he is with 10-ounce gloves. We know that boxing is a totally different sport, in my opinion, with the, the foot movement and the head movement and the jabs and everything. It's just a different sport with, you know, a different type of technique involved. So I hope that Woodley will take this seriously and surround himself with uh, – know the appropriate coaches and not necessarily like mma guys who he's been around who are just going to like kind of follow him. you know like one thing that i think connor said in retrospect regarding the mayweather fight was like yeah i should have had boxing coaches in there um, not just my mma guys and i think that's an appropriate take on fighting a boxing guy especially a floyd mayweather so um this is a chance for him to write a bit of that you know that that last chapter differently than the way it, it panned out in the UFC. But even if he loses, I don't think it takes away. I'm not one to say that like, your last act, you know, completely changes the way your entire career should be written. I, I don't think that's fair to anyone.
2: So when uh, our vast production uh, guestbook and crew reached out to Ariel last week, we were planning on talking about Montreal as a Major League Baseball city in the future and considering Montreal's competition for Vegas, and then all this fights they've come up. Uh, but let, let's get into the possibility of Montreal getting a baseball team. And I just said before the break, like, you're not down with the A's being stolen by Montreal, but can you tell the audience here, like, how hungry is Montreal for baseball? Who would be the owner of this project? Do they have money people? Do they have – is there a stadium plan that's close?
3: Hmm. So I, I do – I'm happy that you said that because, you know, I, I actually I looked down – I'm wearing an Expo sweatshirt right now as I walk my dog and an Expo's hat. I'm still holding. I would hope that they come back in my lifetime, Um, and I would never want what happened to me as a younger fan back then. I was 22 when they left to happen to anyone else, especially a young kid. So I never advocate. Anytime these rumors pop up, I never advocate for stealing a team. I would love for an expansion team. So I, I did say that to your, you know, your, your celebrity Booker, and I wanted to preface that now. Uh, People don't realize this about Montreal, but Montreal has a very, very, very rich baseball history. Long before the Expos came to town in 1967, they were the AAA affiliate of the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Montreal Royals, playing at the Lormier Downs. In fact, the great Jackie Robinson famously said, that the first place to ever accept him as a player, as an athlete of any kind, was Montreal. His wife, Rachel Robinson, has spoken glowingly about Montreal and how the people accepted them when he was playing for the AAA Royals. And guys like Tommy Lasorda and Roy Campanella played there. It dates back to the 1920s. So this isn't like, you know, some cool little, you know, place, dare I say, in the desert that all of a sudden wants to get in on the hot thing known as Major League Baseball. And of course, we know that people call, you know, Montreal one of the finest cities in North America, one of the finest cities in the world in terms of entertainment, in terms of dining, in terms of culture and fashion. I mean, Las Vegas dreams that it could be considered in the same breath as a city, as cosmopolitan, as Montreal. Now, as far as the uh, ownership situation is concerned, Stephen Bronfman is a guy who is the son of the great Charles Bronfman, the original owner of the Montreal Expos. He has been pushing for the last several years to try to bring the Expos back. There's another local businessman named Mitch Garber, who's involved with Cirque du Soleil, who's trying to help bring them back. And there have been rumors for several years that Bell, which is a big uh, telecommunications company, uh, sort of like an AT&T, if you will, uh, they are trying to get the Expos to come back because basically the Canadian sports TV landscape is this. There are two major TV networks in Canada. There's Sportsnet and TSN. Sportsnet is owned by Rogers Telecommunications. Rogers Telecommunications owns the Blue Jays. So they get all those 162 games on their network, leaving TSN, the competitor with nothing. So it would behoove Bell to get who owns TSN by the way, to get the Expos to put them on their network. So you know it's all run by the network these days. So there's a great uh, location that they found. They had the, 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 the exhibition games for the last few years um, you know with the Blue Jays playing there. 50,000 per game showed up to those uh, stadiums. And I was a fan back in the day, Stephen Adam. when 50,000 fans were showing up when they were battling the Atlanta Braves in the early 80s. The Expos outdrew the Yankees, outdrew the Mets, outdrew the Braves. This is a a real baseball town that deserves a team back. We're not some fly-by-night experiment that they're trying to do. No, this this is a legitimate major league city, one of the biggest markets without a team. It's time for the Expos to come back home.
1: Why are you taking shots at us? We don't want them. <laughs> like you're all, you're all combative. <laughs> We're kind of lukewarm on the A's coming here. You're right. Montreal is awesome.
2: Vegas is much different. I hope Montreal. I hope Montreal right. gets a team. Why don't you guys want a team? I didn't say we don't want a team. We don't, we uh, don't want to pay for a stadium. Adam is lukewarm right. on it. I think it would be cool here, but I don't. I don't know that this is the best spot. And I, I think Montreal is a great spot to go to. That said, you, I think you hit the magic words though. I think baseball wants Montreal as an expansion city because they want to be able to get, you know, $2.2 $2 billion or $2 billion out of a new owner. But I'm, I'm fully in support of Montreal getting a team.
3: Well, what would you guys do? Because obviously in the middle of the summer, it's scorching hot. So would there be a roof? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Right, yep. who, wants, who wants to sit indoors? You see, the beauty of Montreal is it's, it's, it's gorgeous, you know, June, July, August. A little bit of May as well. The problem with the expo that no one ever talked about was the stadium that they built for them. Olympic Stadium was in the middle of nowhere. It was a closed roof; the roof didn't open, and so you get three, four nice months out of the year. No one wants to sit in the middle of the the freaking boondocks in an indoor stadium. You want to enjoy the outdoor weather. So now you got to get a downtown ballpark, open you know, open stadium. People enjoy; they go out, nightlife, all that stuff. It's a perfect place. I just think you know we're we're. You know, we're trying to shove a square into a circle here by uh, by bringing baseball to Las Vegas. There's no history there. There's no market. There's no there's there's no fan base. I mean, come on, you, you guys. You know, you struck gold with the Golden Knights. Just be happy with it and move on.
2: Yeah, plus, we're an NFL city now, and, and future NBA city. Sort of. Um, how close? Uh, I, I don't know Montreal real well. I was down there by the the Bell Center for a couple of UFC events. How close to that arena would the stadium be?
3: So, uh, the, the, one of the worst owners in the history of sports. Jeffrey Loria and his Scrooge uh, stepson, former stepson, ex-stepson, David Sampson, who all of a sudden now is some media pontificator and and, and seems to know everything about everything. Meanwhile, he killed two baseball markets. Uh, They had a land across the street, literally across the street from the Bell Center, uh, and they gave it up. Once they, uh, you know, once they took over the Expos in, in 2001. So, unfortunately, it's not as close as it should be. But I would say, you know, 15, 20 minutes, certainly not where the Olympic Stadium was. I don't know if either of you have ever been to the Olympic Stadium, but it was literally in the middle of nowhere. It was not properly built. It was built for the Olympic Games, and, you know, there was a track around the field. I mean, it was just a mess back in 1976. The great Bruce Jenner won Olympic gold and Nadia Comaneci. What do you know about that? Steve? you know nothing about Nadia Comaneci, well, look it up. All right. 1976 summer Olympic games in the great city of Montreal. They built that stadium for it. And then they shoehorned the baseball team into that stadium. It never should have happened. And that ultimately led to the demise of the Expos.
1: Well, the thing is, we, we say we don't want it. We would love to have a baseball team here and we'd love to go cover baseball and watch baseball on a, on a daily basis in the summer. It'd be great. Nobody wants to pay for a stadium, like we just did for Allegiance Stadium. That's the issue. What would the financing be for a stadium in Montreal? Is there is there an appetite for you know the public funding a stadium?
3: So obviously that's uh you know the the main sticking point in all these markets. It was the sticking point in Miami. The Quebec government has been a little com si com about it all. Uh there have been rumblings, you know. I don't know if you know about the, the Tampa Rays situation where their owner, Stu Sternberg, uh, has proposed an idea where they would split the season in Montreal and Tampa. I think that's a ludicrous idea. I mean, what player first of all would want to do that? It's such a mess. We're talking about two countries, let alone two cities splitting the team. But um, the Montreal government said that they were open to that. Uh, obviously they wouldn't want to fit you know, an incredible bill if they're splitting it, so that would be what you know 40 games or so because of the be 81 home games. Um, but they haven't definitively said, but I, I have read recently from the mayor and from other government officials in uh, Quebec where they haven't outright said that they wouldn't, you know, consider paying for it. I'm not a fan of the public sector paying for it. I think what happened in Miami was an absolute joke. And, uh, and you know, as you said, in Vegas, I mean, I think it's just crazy that these billionaire owners, you know, get to get the people to pay for their stadiums and then they make all the money off of it. It's absolutely insane. So... I would not be a huge fan of that, and especially after the last, you know, year and a half that Montreal had and all the issues. You know, I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but like Montreal, Canada is like five months and back of the states in terms of this pandemic, and so mm-hmm. they've got a lot of catching up to do. The last thing people are going to want to do right now is pay for a stadium.
2: Ariel is with us, at ESPN.com. com. We got to close on this. You are Nicks, and you cover do you the always NBA. Why
3: ESPN.com? Why can't you just say ESPN? Am I not good enough to just be, like, What's overarching ESPN? I mean, I'm hardly on ESPN.com, for God's sake.
2: Good point. ESPN Plus. And ESPN. Okay. And ESPN. Thank you. Um, I, I saw that you pulled the uh, the classic confirm. You confirmed Jake Paul and Ty yes. Whitley. Today, so that was, that well, was impressive. Well, I mean, if I'm being
3: honest, it was just me yeah. practicing good journalism because the reports yes. yesterday didn't have the date. They didn't have the weight. I mean, I was just being a mensch by doing that. And a lot of journalists, as you know, wouldn't even do that sort of thing.
2: So, yes, you know, yes. I and, uh, and honestly honestly none of us trust the guy who initially reported it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um all right, what's gonna happen the rest of the way for the Knicks? I I I, I said last uh, week I think the Knicks are, the Knicks are just happy to be here. This is the first step in the rebuild and we need to get out of here. The, talking the, I, about I saw, Capella today was saying, Bring it, you wanna talk yeah. trash? You wanna push us around? Let's do it. We'll play rough and we'll beat you.
3: <laughs> Flip it off right now. Capella just, you know, I mean, the guy just, just made the cardinal sin. He pissed off who should be the MVP, who has been named the MIP, the most improved player, Julius Randle. Did you see Randle? I mean, if you could see the smoke coming out of his ears, it was unbelievable to see how pissed off he was. Look, the Knicks aren't happy to be here. Yes, this has been a Cinderella season. Yes, if you would have told me back in December, they would end up with a four seed. They would have ended up with 41 wins. Vegas had them at 22 and a half, for God's sake. And with 41 wins at home court advantage, of course they would have taken that. They didn't come here just to roll over to freaking Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. We're the Atlanta Hawks, for God's sake. So they're going to go to New York uh, tomorrow. Yeah, Wednesday. Madison Square Garden is going to be on fire. They'll win game five. They'll go to Atlanta. Very cute how those fans have been acting. They're trying. They're trying. It's cute. They'll win game six. Game seven, as you know, all bets are off. Wow, that sounds interesting down 3-1, and they come back to win the the series. Wow, that certainly sounds familiar. Oh, yeah, it was my Montreal Canadiens who did that last night against the Toronto Maple Leafs that they had no business beating in Game 7. And God forbid the Vegas Golden Knights get past the Colorado Avalanche. We know that's not going to happen. They'll be meeting the number one team in the NHL in the conference finals for God knows what reason. I don't understand why Vegas would play Montreal. This whole thing is very confusing. But rest assured, we're on our way to... Twenty-five cups. Twenty-five cups, Stephen Adam. What do you know about that, Adam? I know you know nothing about that. You're a self-loathing Buffalo Bills fan. You want to come back. You wish you could come back. You're embarrassed every day that you made this decision. I've invited you to come back for God's sake, and you still won't accept my invitation. It's disgusting. You should be. You should be ashamed of yourself as a lifelong Buffalo Bills fan. And quite frankly, I don't know why I keep coming on this program because of
2: the way you're acting. <laughs> wow, there's a lot, a lot to unpack there. That's good, a lot. A lot of threats. Uh, are you, uh, Ariel? Are you concerned that uh, the Bills are anti-vaxxers, though, in large part?
3: No, get out of here. I think it's, Adam it's, is. Uh, w- w- wait, Adam is an anti-vaxxer, or he's concerned about?
2: <laughs> no, he he's he's concerned. He's actually enjoying every second of it because what he's hoping is that the Bills are the one team that can't get back to normal, and it actually uh, you know proves to be a negative this season.
3: Self-loathing fan. No, look, the Knicks announced you can I- I- if the Knicks make it to round two. Only vaccinated people can attend the game. So the the bills aren't that different. They were just one of the first ones to come out and say it. And uh, I believe it was Jordan Poyer's wife who was very vocal about not liking this. I mean, look, it's, it's a sensitive subject. I am vaccinated proudly. You look at the numbers. They're all going down. I had someone tell me, what happened to COVID? What happened to COVID? Where did it go? It went away because we all got vaccinated, for God's sake. That's where it went. I mean, come on, everyone ridiculous
1: by the way don't just pin it don't just pin it on poor rachel bush who i can't believe i just said that no it's cole beasley and josh allen also it's it's a lot of people
3: listen josh allen did one interview with some jabron over at the ringer and i feel like his words were taken out of context he didn't outright say it. he said he had some questions and by the way that happened two and a half months ago things could have changed since then has he come out Exp- don't try to paint Josh Allen, who we all know that you hold a grudge against. We all know that you, you, you came out there as a hot take artist and said he was going to be and never was that
1: Taylor was going to be better.
3: Well, by the way, is Taylor even in the NFL anymore? Well, I can't believe you're even dying on this
1: hill. Is Taylor even on He's the starting quarterback the for the Houston Texans. He's the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans, by the way. But what are you uh, talking yeah. about? Starting quarterback for the Houston Texans? Deshaun Watson's the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. <laughs> okay. What do
3: you say? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he is. Come on, uh, and yeah, that wasn't that wasn't the case uh, again. By the way, it was the fact that the fans are shouting the n word at him, which was my problem. Which I can't believe you're still defending that team who had, had that. but That's crazy. fine. You can do that's that.
3: Crazy. Okay, okay, okay. So this is akin to to correct me if I'm wrong. A Knicks fan spat on Trey Young a week ago. Should I denounce my favorite team because a stupid fan acted
1: like an idiot? It's the same thing. One, How is it any one, different? One fan spitting compared to many fans yelling in N-word, I think is is different, but that's uh, fine. That you can do you. It's absolutely disgusting. It's classless.
3: Number one, I'm not going to rid myself of the joy that this team's bringing me because of some idiot fans, some racist fans, some moronic fans. Why would you take? I know how much this team. I've talked to you about the Bills. You're a bigger Bills fan than I am, for God's sake,s or were. <laughs> and all of a sudden, because you hear, the, and let's not let's be honest. You're mad that they they drafted Josh Allen over your boy Taylor, and I get it. I was mad when the Knicks traded Oakley for Marcus Camby back in the day, but I got over it because I love the team, and it brings me joy. Why would you rid yourself of joy? We only have so many things to be happy about in life. <laughs> Why would you give up one thing that makes you happy? I don't get it. I can't wrap my head around it.
2: Ariel, great spot. Terrestrial radio. We have to actually uh, do commercials and, and then go Come d- dip into a bodega. Get some milk or some more some milk. Can you sleep tonight? You're freaking bouncing off the walls.
3: Who's up? Jewelers of Las Vegas? What do we got up next? Come on, you got nothing else to talk about. Who do you got, Mr. Sunshine? I mean, this has of, been the best thing to the, of the, of the Vegas radio in quite some time.
2: I know. Well, come back more often.
3: I just want to say hello to my friends at Zoof HQ. I hope they're listening and I can't wait to see them soon. Bye-bye.
2: <laughs> see ya. There he is. Ariel Hawani, we'll address that on the way back. He's a lunatic. I don't know what he was on, but that was uh, that was everywhere. I don't know what was going on there. It started out friendly, and then it turned real ugly. Want more Cofield & Company?
0: The guys are back with their late-night pod tonight at 1030. Watch at Steve Cofield on Twitter or on YouTube. Cofield & Company
1: presents... Hold hey, hold on, up, oh, up. Oh, 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 oh. Grab
0: Bag.
1: Don't touch it. Don't even look at it.
0: Only on ESPN Las
2: Vegas. Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So that was a long interview with Ariel Wani. We'll have that posted at lbsportsnetwork.com. And actually, we have a video up on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, the whole conversation. Adam, can I go back to the very beginning of it? Sure. And mention Woodley and Jake Paul. Did Ariel actually say that it's a somewhat even fight? Like I I don't get what this Jake Paul stuff is. Do we not see what happened in these first three fights? In what like, way? This is a total setup, and I don't mean it's a fake fight. And good for Jake Paul for, you know, taking a big bite here. He's bitten off too much. And for this to, be, to for this to come out with Jake Paul as, you know, in a pickum, and now he's the favorite, is ridiculous. Completely Woodley. ridiculous. Woodley, Woodley is going
1: to kill him. I mean, I lean that way too, but, uh, but Paul trains boxing every day. Woodley never has. He's not a boxer; it's a different sport. Mm-hmm. He's definitely got more power, uh, but he's looked very against the
2: world's best MMA fighters.
1: Sure, but he he's been hesitant to throw. Like I don't know. I I, I haven't seen a box, and it's a di- it is a different sport. It's not the same sport.
2: What a setup! This is exactly what the folks setting this up want. It's for real fight people to have doubts that Woodley's going to destroy Paul. Amazing. <laughs>